take your Bible, if you would, please, and make your way to the book of the book of Philippines. The Philippians, I'm sorry, the Philippines. I was thinking about Brother Rod <laughs> from the Philippines. Philippians, I knew that didn't sound right. All right, that reminds me of my dad. Man, if my dad was here, he'd be rolling in the aisle right now. He read that passage one day. He was preaching and his, his, um, somebody showed up that made him nervous. One of his preacher friends or somebody. And he was reading that passage about Moses and his father-in-law. And he read the passage. He said, now let us pray. He said, now our father-in-law, which are in heaven. And, uh, as a kid, I remember that. You know, the apple don't fall far from the tree. All right. Come, if you would, please, to verse number 12. In the book of Philippians, chapter number 2. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings that ye may be blameless harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. What a passage. If you have an ink pen... I would encourage you to underline that last phrase on verse number 15. Among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Last week we started just a little mini-series that develops because of the time of year. We've been going through the Gospel of John and we'll pick that back up after the holiday season. You see on the screen that we titled this little mini-series that will carry us through December into January up to revival, joy to the world. Tis the season when most of the world is celebrating Christmas. Most of the world is celebrating God's love to humanity and His precious gift in His Son. And so I wanted to spend some time as your pastor and getting us as a church body and focusing just a little bit on the peoples of the world. It's interesting. It is the most joyous time of the year. But as you could see through the prayer request and others, that not everybody experiences the joy of the Lord Jesus during this season. And... Um, This burdened my heart, and I began prayerfully as God began to bring me to different Bible passages to kind of just look at the peoples of the world. 
You know, when you look at the world as a whole, I would say that you could use many words to describe positive and negative the world as a whole. Right now, the whole world is dealing with the pandemic. Um, Right now, the whole world would be in a season of sickness, if you wanted to say that. Uh, Where the whole world is affected by what is going on. Um, You could say, in reality, as you look at numbers and things, that we're not only in a season of sickness, but we're in a a season of of loss, of life, and of death. Um, If you watch a lot of media and you watch around the world, you could use the words chaos, unrest, volatile. I would say that the world is an awesome place, and at the same time, it can be an awful place. There's beauty in the world. There's no question about that. There's, there's beauty in what God created in the world, but there's also beauty in the peoples of the world. There's beauty in the acts of kindness in the world. And there's moments when the world is safe, and there's moments when it is dangerous. There are moments when the world seems sane, and then there's moments when the world seems insane. And we as the people of God, praise the Lord, we're in this world, but we're not of this world, right? And yet, we are in the world. And as we are in the world, as the people of God, as the church of Christ, we have responsibility to the world. In reality, it's not until you understand people that you will ever understand the world. Well, Pastor, how in the world would you ever understand people? It seems like, like people are always changing. Yes, that'd be true. However, all peoples of the world were born sinners that have come short of the glory of God. We were born with a sinful nature that is communicated and, and uh, highlighted and spoken of in the Scripture. And it is through the Word of God that you can understand humanity. And if you'll be very careful as you look at humanity, and I speak about all humanity, and you see the actions of humanity, you can find the basis for that in the description of human nature from the Word of God. So if you're going to understand the world, you're going to have to understand the peoples of the world. Um, Praise the Lord. We as believers, not only do we understand the peoples of the world, we also know the God small g of this world, and he's identified in the scripture. But we know the Savior of the world as well. And so last week, we began back in the book of Ephesians. and, And the Apostle Paul made that phrase uh, that really helps us as believers to understand the people of the world. And it helped us also to understand who we used to be when he talked about reminding that Gentile church of Ephesus that there was a time in their life where they were without God in the world. Pastor, why is the world so murderous? Why is it so volatile? Why is it so selfish? Because the peoples of the world are without God. And... To understand that that position about humanity is to understand why the world acts the way the world acts. People without God act differently than people with God. People with God should not act as those without God. Right? 
There's where it gets real confusing, very confusing. And so to help us with a burden for the peoples of the world, that would lead us away from a frustration of the peoples of the world. And I do believe that if we're not careful, the longer we are believers, the longer we're saved, even churches can think this way, we begin to think more highly of ourselves and more lowly of others. So we think things like, well, they're heathen, or they're without God, or they're just getting what they deserve. I got news for you. Everybody in this room deserves a place called hell for all eternity for our sin against God. And so I don't want that to happen in this Christmas season. And I don't want us to forget that that verse is still in the Bible that God loves the world. And God's people ought to love the peoples of the world. And to be without God in the world is where at one time where you and I were. That doesn't mean that we were without the blessing of creation, without the blessing of sustaining um, or joy or that God didn't do neat things in our lives or even protect us in our lives or provide in our lives. Paul said to be without God in the world was first off to be without Christ as the Savior. To be without Jesus is to be without God. And to be without Christ is to be without spiritual life. He went on last week to say that they were aliens. To remind them that they were aliens of the commonwealth of Israel. Alien is still a word we use to describe foreigners. We understand that. You may have been at one time considered an alien in the United States of America. Not that you have antennas or you were Martian. You just were not a citizen of our country. And back in those Greek city-states, there were, there were blessings for the citizens that were not afforded to the foreigners. And Paul was letting the Gentile church know that when you were without the Lord Jesus and you were without salvation, there was blessing for the people of God that wasn't resting upon you. And so you were without God in the world, which means you were without spiritual blessing. I don't, I don't know about you, but life sure is sweet with God's spiritual blessing upon our lives. Um, and then he went on to describe that people without God in the world are people who are without hope. Boy, there is a description of our world, of people without hope. Um, and without hope is the assurance of hope. I read you those prayer requests. These were people that were hoping about things that they could know. And so they lacked a spiritual hope. This was you as a believer prior to salvation, without God in the world. You were absent spiritual life. You were absent spiritual blessing. You were absent spiritual hope, which was consequential in your behavior. Praise God, God loved us while we were yet sinners. Right. The peoples of the world need the Savior of the world. And so today I want to again just head down this path in our series. And I want to preach today a message entitled, Indoor and Outdoor Lights. Now, I don't know if you've been to buy Christmas lights at Home Depot or Lowe's or Walmart or wherever you do, but do not make the mistake of buying indoor lights and hang them outdoor and think it will be okay. It will not be okay. Uh, when we buy lights now, we buy them as a dual fold for an indoor and an outdoor purpose. The Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians is reminding the church of its responsibility and its privilege and its position in the world. And he references, 
had a beautiful expression that we would understand at Christmas times that that we that know the Lord, the beloved there, the church, the saved people, those that have uh, know Christ, that we are to shine, verse 15, as lights in the world. And you could write and think in your mind there uh, as Christmas lights. We hang Christmas lights on our house, but we are to be a Christmas light in our person. You understand that light shines the brightest in the darkness. It's funny because our Christmas lights don't go on over here till about 6 o'clock at night. But people are parking over here at 5 o'clock. They're getting here early. And so they have the wonderful privilege when they first go over there. The, 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 the atmosphere light and the sunlight is so bright you can't see those lights. But the darker that the night goes, the brighter those lights shine. I would submit to you that instead of God's people and God's church getting more and more frustrated about a dark world, we ought to shine brighter for the world to see the light of Jesus Christ. So Paul here is writing to the church at Philippi. And he says to them, now fellas, ladies, don't forget that you are to shine as a light. And he used a description of the world, right? And the description that he uses in the world is not necessarily dark. He doesn't use the word dark. He uses the words crooked and perverse. Crooked and perverse talks about the winding of a path, the twisting of a way. He's here and he's referring here to a spiritual darkness and i think it's important to draw the distinction here because the whole world is not dark the whole world is not ugly the whole world the peoples of the world there are beautiful people in the world there are kind people in the world there are loving people in the world these can even be people that do not know the lord jesus but the best person in the world who has never given their heart to the lord jesus is still in spiritual darkness okay So Paul here is referencing the need for a spiritual light to enhance and help in spiritual darkness. Okay. So now that's all introduction. That was great, by the way, wasn't it? See if you're awake. Just put Christmas lights on your house. How many put Christmas lights on your house? Would you raise your hand? How many put a Christmas tree up in your house? Okay. How many put ornaments on your vehicle? Anybody in here crazy enough to do that? Joey is. That's why I had him raise his hand, right? Let me just be very practical with you. I have Christmas lights on my house. Today I will put up a manger seen at my house i personally think that every christian if you're allowed to in your yard you it's one it's fine put your santa claus up put everything but all of us ought to put up a manger scene to reflect the reason for the season okay i think you ought to have one of those my neighbors that live around me some of them are from trinidad they're hindu some of them are from Colombia. Some of them are from Guyana. 
Some of them are from all, they're all over the world, right? They, they don't just need my house to have Christmas lights on it. They need for Tom and Beverly to shine as spiritual lights. Now, don't lose me here. Because most of God's people think it's just sufficient to put lights on our house and not deal with our spirit. Okay? So what I'm finding is, is that in some cases, because of emotional unrest, discouragement, depression, difficulty, need, heartache, grief, loss, pain, insecurity, the unsaved world can have an easier time celebrating Christmas than the child of God who's burdened by those things. And so the child of God, instead of shining as a spiritual light in a spiritually dark world, our spirit is dominated. Would you look please in verse number 14? Do all things without, what's that word class? Murmuring or grumbling and what? Disputings or complaining. And if we're not careful, God's people in one of the most beautiful times of the year to present the light of the world, the Lord Jesus, we're so burdened down in our own spirit that we don't shine as a Christmas light for the Lord. It's one thing for the Lord Jesus to be the light of the world, and he does call himself the light of the world in his great I am's, but in his discourse in Matthew chapter 5, he also said, you and I are the light of the world. So I just want to ask you this question. Is your spiritual light on? And I'm talking to the believer. Now, I have the wonderful vantage point to look at many of you today, and you're looking at me. And posture says a lot about people. Sunken in, head down, face down, gloom down, thought process. It's amazing that we bring those things inside the house of God, and they are a reality to us. But if we're not strong in our spirit, trusting the Lord... And we're not at peace with the Prince of Peace. And we haven't learned how to deal with the loss, the pain, and the grief. And all of that in life. And all the difficulty in life. And we allow our spirit to become murmuring and complaining and disgruntled. Then I would submit to you that we shine very dim for the cause of Jesus Christ. My neighbors don't need my house to light up. They need me to light up. And they need you to light up. So Paul is reminding the church at Philippi because they're fighting one another. And there's a disunity that's developing it there. And and what's happening is their spiritual light that reflects the Lord that lives in them has dimmed. And he doesn't he's reminding them that that's needed to shine in the world. 
He shows them that there is a purpose. Now, come on. Now, here's where your lesson begins. If you come back to chapter 1 and verse number 27, he reminds the church of its priority. Look, if you would, at verse 27. He says, only let your conversation or your manner of life be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. The number one theme of your life, child of God, believer, is it ought to reflect the gospel of the Lord Jesus. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs or your work, that ye stand fast in, what's the next word? One spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the what class? Of the gospel. So Paul is reminding the church, which I think needs to be reminded today, there's nothing more important in the church than to take the gospel to the world. That's our calling. That's the great commission of God. That's our commandment. We are to shine as a spiritual light, reflecting the light of the Lord Jesus, letting a spiritual dark world understand there is hope, there is joy, there is peace. There are these things in the Lord Jesus. That's what our life is to reflect. But man, our lives are just so... Sometimes if we're not careful, we don't guard our spirit. And we let the emotionalism of our lives bring us into a position of grumbling and murmuring and complaining. And it's one thing to put lights on my house, but it's another thing that my person reflect the Lord Jesus. And so the Apostle Paul here reminds them, coming into chapter number 2, look at this would please. He, he reminds them about who Jesus is and what, what salvation is like. And what there is here in, and, in, in being a Christian and, and, uh, the virtues that exist in Christ. He says that there be therefore any consolation in Christ, that's any encouragement. Uh, if there be any comfort of love, that's, that's a solace or an encouragement furnished by love. Uh, if there be any fellowship of the Spirit, that's talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in their lives, the ministry of helps and encouragement, any bowels, that's affection, mercies, sympathy. These things that are in the Lord Jesus, that word if is the word since. Then he says, fulfill ye my joy that ye be, what's that word? Like-minded. So, in essence, Paul's saying, listen, these uh, virtues are in Christ. You are in Christ. And so, if these are in Christ, you as a Christian, they ought to be in you. And there ought to be the flowing of these and the shining of these to a lost and dying world. He talks about a harmonious living here, or the way that Christian people ought to live. Let's go through them, please. In verse number 2, there's six of them. He says, Fulfill ye my joy, that you be like-minded, having the same love. That's love toward one believer as another. Love without partiality. Being of one accord. That means we all drive Hondas. That's what God would have for His people. No, that means that we're to be united in spirit of one mind. That that is we're to have the same values, the same goals, the same purpose, the same understanding. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. That's selfish ambition or conceit. 
Let each esteem other better than themselves. That is each to regard his fellow Christian as more important than himself. And look on every man also, look not every man on his own things, but let every man also on the things of others. That is that we're just to be concerned for the needs and problems of others as we are for our own. I would submit to you that those six things would, if you wrap them up as a present, there you could define them as Christmas spirit. So I want to ask you something. Do you have Christmas spirit? If so, say amen. I would submit to you that most of the people that lack Christmas spirit as believers is because we lack love. We've gotten selfish. We lack unity. We lack one-mindedness. We're striving. I'm not sure that God's glory is the supreme glory that we desire. We've esteemed ourselves over others. We're not looking on every man. We're looking to take care of us and us only. Paul gives a great illustration to this in verses 5 to all the way to verse number 11. For sake of time, I won't read them all. But he talks about, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And he presents to the church at Philippi um, the mindset of Christmas. And he presents to the church at Philippi the mindset of the Lord Jesus. Now he's saying, listen... You are to shine as a light into a a spiritual light into a spiritually dark world. In a moment, I'm going to show you that the way that they do that is they are to work out their salvation. But they'll never be able to work out their salvation to the world unless there has been a working of salvation in themselves. You can never do anything through until first that work has been done in. If God's ever going to work through you, he's going to work in you first. And he'll never work through you if you don't let him work in you. Paul says, church family, we got a problem. Our problem is we're doing a lousy job shining the light of Christ to a lost, spiritually dark world. And we're not able to work out and shine that light because we're dealing with ourselves internally. And so he really and truthfully, he exposes them in their, in their selfishness and their conceitedness and in their inward focus. That's really turned into murmuring, grumbling, and complaining. And here's what he tells them. And it's very biblical. It's a hard, hard word. Maybe you'll understand it. Stop it. And then he presents to them why they can stop it. Because of Jesus. He said, now let me explain something to you, church family. You don't have the mind of Christ. If you had the mind of Christ, it would be very easy for you to submit, for you to take a back seat, for you to humble yourself. By the way, when you take a, think about the two themes of Christmas... Love and submission are both of them. Let me just put a little parenthesis here. God gave this to me this morning. Probably no greater time in the year for you to relent is there than Christmas time. 
Christmas time is for you to make things right. Christmas time is for you to submit. Christmas time, if you want to have the mind of Christ, because that's how he came into the world. He submitted himself and became and humbled himself and became a man and was found in fashion as a man and went to the cross. Christmas time is the time where you go to people and say, I'm sorry. Christmas time is the time you go and say, you know what, I've been a pain and I'm done being a pain. Christmas time is when a teenager goes to his mom and dad and says, you know what, I've mistreated you horribly. The problem's my fault. Christmas time is the time where you take the fault and you fix things that are wrong in your life with a submissive spirit, especially relationships. Yeah. So Paul says, we got a problem. We're not shining bright. The reason we're not shining bright is because inside us we got arrogance, pride, conceit. We don't have unity. We don't understand. We've got to the position of murmuring and complaining. Church family, remember the Lord Jesus and his submission. That needs to be your spirit. Once I've come to a position of right in my spirit with the Lord and a submissiveness to him, whatever you want to do in my life, God, whatever I have to humble myself, wherever I got to make things right, Lord, you just do in me. And I mean, then God begins to work and God begins to move and God's begin to glorify. And you will find that as much as you resist that moment of submission and as much as you think that you'll never survive that moment or it'll be difficult, there's nothing more peaceful than submitting to Jesus Christ for the believer. And once you do, all of that baggage kind of falls away and that light begins to flicker again. Then it's very easy in verse number 12. That wherefore goes back to all that Paul just talked to him about. Wherefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now in my absence, uh, this phrase, and you should underline this phrase, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, this verse gets, gets abused, right? So theologically, if you're sitting there and you think, what does Pastor Hunter believe about this? This verse does not teach that you and I can work for salvation. Okay? We understand that salvation is by faith and faith alone. Amen. Right? So this poor precious person here that says, pray that, that God will somehow let my father in heaven based upon somehow his works. Nobody gets to go to heaven because of their work. The only reason we get to go to heaven is because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Okay? So, he's not teaching work out for your salvation. The phrase here that talks about working out, it denotes the expression or manifestation or actualization of something one already possesses. Okay? So, Philippi... You, you are to be a spiritual light shining in a spiritually dark world described as crooked and perverse, which means not a straight path toward the Lord, but winding and curving and, 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 and wrong. 
precious people that, that don't understand the direction to go. You're to shine that light so that they can see the Lord Jesus. Now, you're not going to be able to shine that light if it's sniffed out in your own disappointment with the Lord or your own disobedience with the Lord or your own lack of submission to the Lord. But once you get yourself positioned right with the Lord and you find Him leading and working, then you will find that actualization of what you already possess. Let me say a couple things here. First off, living the Christian life is not hard. It's impossible. Living the Christian life is not hard. If it was hard, it would be easy. Hmm? Huh? What? Living the Christian life is not hard. If it were hard, it would be easy. It's impossible. Without the enablement and help of the Holy Spirit of God. So we as believers, we think somehow that we can work out salvation in our own flesh or in our own ability. When in reality is, the working out of that salvation or the display of what I possess is only possible as the Holy Spirit enables me to do that. And if I have not let him have complete freedom and reign and obedience to him in my life, and if I'm not spiritually right with him, then, then he's not then I'm a hindrance to him working out that light. And I have found when I try to be the Holy Spirit in my life, I get discouraged, I get murmuring, I get complained, I forget that it is God that works, and I'm a lousy light for Jesus Christ. My concluding statement. Tonight, at about 5.45, Joey Callahan will enter into the what I affectionately call the she-shed. He hates that, but I love to call it the she-shed. And he will flip a switch on a computer. And over a million and a half lights will begin to shine. And music will will begin to play. And from everywhere, people will come. From everywhere. The power of light to draw is amazing. And the darker it is, the more precious that little glimmer of light is. People from all over the world will wait in line all the way up 118th, all the way up 112th. We will tell them we're full. You have to come back in an hour and a half. And they will drive an hour and a half and they'll come back. So they can get out of their car and they can walk over there and they can enjoy the beauty of light. Fascinating. 
That's what the church ought to be. That's what you as an individual ought to be in your spirit, in your person. It's one thing to decorate your house. Your spirit ought to be decorated with the beauty of the Lord Jesus. And you ought to shine as a light in your world. And people ought to come to you and say, why are you always happy? Why don't you ever, why doesn't anything ever bother you? Why are you always so joyful? Do you ever have a bad day? Can't you say one bad word? What's wrong with you? Nothing. Let me tell you what's right with me. His name is Jesus. Yeah. We, we need to shine as a light to a lost and dying world. You have a world. Let the Spirit of God flip that switch, shine bright. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, God, in one way, this has always been the needed reminder of the church. The church at Philippi was not very long after the first church. And it needed to be reminded of its responsibility to shine as a light in a crooked and perverse generation we need that reminder today as churches corporately but as people individually and I need the people to understand it's one thing to put lights on your house it's another thing for our spirits our emotion our thoughts our words our actions to be lights for the Lord Jesus. We are to work out to actualize that which we already possess. To show to that crooked and perverse generation the way, the truth, and the life. And if we're not careful, murmuring and grumbling and complaining in our spirit takes over if we're not careful, we forget about the goal and the responsibility. And if we're not careful, we begin to get stubborn, concentrate on ourselves. And we're not submitted spiritually the way we should be. Those lights tonight, they do not come on until Joey flips that switch. My spiritual light cannot shine until the Holy Spirit lights that light. Oh, God, help us to see that. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I sense the tenderness in the room. So I'll ask you, Christian, you got lights on your house. What about lights on your life? Are you shining as a spiritual light in a spiritually dark world? Or have you let your light get extinguished? You have a world. You have a mother. You have a father. You have children. You have employees. You have employers. You have neighbors. You have friends. You have a world, man. 
spirit to shine, and our church is to shine. I think the key to that switch for the believers, the submission and humbling to the work of God in my life. Maybe you're here today and you're not a believer. You've never given your heart to Christ. It begins there. Today would be the day if you could place your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus and had that desire, we would love to show you. We always give an invitation. Men will be here with a Bible, ready to pray, ready to show you how to be saved. The responsibility will be yours. Would you stand, please? Heavenly Father, I ask you to have your way today and your will today. I ask you to move in our hearts. Thank you for our lesson. Lord, we're all analyzing our lives, but I need the Spirit of God to speak and touch and confront and correct and encourage and call. And so I trust that we'll be sensitive to that. If there be anybody here that doesn't know the Lord, they could come forward today and let us take a Bible and show them how to be saved. We'd love to do that. Meet our need here. In Jesus' name, amen. Our song is Have Thine Own Way. Men are here ready to pray with you. The altar is open, God's people. If you'd like to lead the way, you come. Verse number one. Thank you for listening today. Let me just close with one final thought. Fix it. Fix it. You're the child of God. You're the one to whom much is given, much is required. Relationship broken. Problem at work. Problem in humanity. Pastor, I'm waiting for them to reckon what they did. Fix it. You fix it. It's keeping you from shining as a light for the Lord. Our song to go out is send the light. There's a call come ringing or the restless wave. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Send the light, the blessed gospel light, let it shine.
God bless you all. You are dismissed for Sunday school.